you look at the definition of employee engagement, the most commonly used definition is the emotional connection between the employee, the organization, and what the organization is trying to achieve. The worst decisions I've made are when I haven't trust my gut or trust my instinct. Hi, my name is John O'Driscoll and you are very welcome to the Blueprint Podcast. Ask yourself one question. Have you a blueprint for success? Are you doing all you can do to get where you want to be? Join me and my guests each week as we discuss their blueprint for success. This week's episode of the Blueprint Podcast, I am delighted to welcome John Goulding, who is the CEO of WorkVivo. WorkVivo are a fantastic Irish and Cork success story. And John is one of Ireland's leading entrepreneurs and has been nominated in the emerging category of the Ernst Young Entrepreneur of the Year. I'm delighted to welcome to this week's episode, John Goulding. Great. Thanks, John. Delighted to be on. John, WorkVivo, um, been around only five years, but the growth has been absolutely exponential. Can you just give us a small bit of background into, I suppose, what you offer to brands such as Amazon, Mercedes, VMware, just to name but a few, and um, I suppose how your business has has grown so much uh, in the last five years? Yeah, sure. So, so WorkVivo, yeah, it's it's been a very short time, I guess. Right, it's it's. Uh, just five years we celebrated our five-year anniversary in uh, in may of this year uh, which was a great event but um work vivo is essentially an employee communication platform but it's a it's an employee communication platform that's been very much built around the things that are important for employee engagement so we think about employee engagement we think about the employee experience and we think about it in terms of how do you shape the culture of the organization how do you create a digital heart for the organization like historically the office was the was the heart of the organization now everybody is is remote or hybrid or and um, in that scenario you need you need something that's the heart of the organization in terms of where does the communication happen where do people get informed about what's going on in the company and that's what we've built. We've built essentially an employee communication platform. Some people call it an employee app. Um, it's replaced the old intranet in most organizations that we've deployed in. But essentially, it's where you go as an employee to find out what's going on in the organization, to to digest information, to contribute information, to be part of communities, to give recognition, receive recognition, to see things that are connected to the values of the organization, the values and purpose of the organization is typically brought alive through the communication on our platform. And we've built in things like, actually, we're doing a podcast there, but we've built in things like podcast functionality, live streaming functionality, all of the things that um, just bring alive the good things that are happening in the organization. So that that's what we do. And that's what we've been doing, um, thankfully, successfully over the last five years. It's uh, an, an ill wind can blow well for some businesses, whilst COVID, I suppose, changed the whole work landscape. I presume it was a massive fill up for your business. 
Yeah, it it certainly wasn't a negative for us. Um, like we had we had reasonably good traction. We had very good traction actually before COVID, and we'd signed some amazing brands in Ireland, in the UK, in the US. Um, but COVID, um, I suppose, when COVID happens, organizations were were looking for better ways to connect to to their organization when everybody you know when everybody is remote or only very occasionally in the office. It's uh, it's a challenge to keep the culture alive, keep the positivity alive, keep the energy alive, connect people. Like pe- we're 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 social beings, and it's hugely important for for your enjoyment of work to feel connected, to feel a sense of belonging, to feel the purpose of the organisation, and they're the things that um, Work Vivo does and, and and brings alive. And so COVID certainly, I suppose, heightened the challenge for organizations in that respect. So so it was a positive thing for us. It was a positive thing for us, no doubt. The idea for Work Vivo, John, if you just go back, uh, I suppose, pre-Work Vivo, can you, like, you obviously worked in big multinational corporations beforehand. Was there a, a light bulb moment or was there a kind of a time where you thought that there was a real gap in the market for changing how um you know businesses you know is it the internet was kind of getting a bit outdated like was it was there a kind of a gap in the market or was it just kind of a an evolution from something that you know was being used and you thought you could do it better um it's 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 funny actually and our our origins are probably probably a little bit unorthodox john where um, my co-founder is a guy by the name of Joe Lennon, um, and I've I've previously described Joe as a as a once in a generation technology guy. Um, and Joe and I had worked together in a company called Core HR. There, Joe was CTO, and Joe had left for a startup in the music industry, and so we you know we didn't get to work together for a few years. But we had the opportunity in 2017 to get back together, and we talked about starting a company. And we got excited about the idea of starting a company together. Um, and we did, but we had no idea what we were going to build. So we we formed the company, we got an office, and we started whiteboarding. Okay, what are we going to build here, right? And um, both of us, I suppose, our background had been in the human, HC, our HR software space. Um so it was, it was likely we were going to build something in that general sphere, but we didn't know what it was going to be. And initially, we thought it was going to be a recruitment solution, actually. And we did some prototype software, and and we came up with some like really good stuff around a recruitment solution. But our heart wasn't in it. We didn't. It wasn't for us. And in parallel, we were looking at the market. We were looking at trends. We were looking at employee engagement. And the more we looked at employee engagement the more we found ourselves just very passionate about it. And we just started identifying, okay, if we wanted to build something around employee engagement, something that would genuinely help organizations with employee engagement, what would it look like? What would it what would it contain? And we started identifying essentially pillars of engagement. Like what does the research say? What's our own experience say? And like the pillars became things like, you know, if you look at the definition of employee engagement, the most commonly used definition is the emotional connection between the employee, the organization, and what the organization is trying to achieve. And for us, it's like, how do we help organizations join the dots? How do you help um, an employee understand what the organization is trying to achieve, the purpose of the organization, 
the objectives, the values of the organization. So that was something we wanted to build into a software platform. We also wanted to build in recognition. People are much more likely to be engaged if there's a culture of recognition in the organization. So we identified that as a pillar we wanted to build in. Community, again, sense of belonging is the is is just huge for companies at the moment. How do you generate that sense of belonging? And we've all heard about quiet quitting, the great resignation. So, but sense of belonging is hugely improved if you facilitate natural communities that exist in the organization. So we we identified that as a pillar. How do we build that in? Communication. Communication is one of the greatest drivers of engagement. People, if people feel informed about what's going on in the organization, they're infinitely more likely to be engaged. They're infinitely more likely to have a sense of ownership. So we wanted to build that in. And we wanted to build measurement of engagement in as another pillar. So essentially we started we started whiteboarding and designing around trying to build those pillars into a software product. And what fell out of that design process, um, just with Joel and myself, was Workvivo. So essentially we designed a communication platform, but it's a communication platform that's been very deliberately designed around the things I mentioned that make it make a real difference in terms of engagement. So so for us it was like no, there was no light bulb moment. I suppose I, you know, I've always thought of founders, you know, that they've got a burning idea. They've waited for years to try and execute on it. And, you know, eventually the opportunity presents itself. For us, it wasn't that. We just had the confidence in, in each other that, you know, we knew we could work well together. We had done before and we have very different skills and but very complementary skills. And we just said, look, let's go for it. But we didn't know what we were going to build. That's unbelievable. That's that's. Is there any other kernels of great ideas left on the whiteboard? Is there anything else you'll explore down the line, or are you just happy to go full born work fever over the time being? Do you know what? It's it's funny. the The original idea we had um, was like we were going to build this like Uber of recruitment, right? Where we were going to build a platform where essentially freelance recruiters, a company could put an opportunity up or a, a vacancy to fill, and you know, somebody, a freelance recruiter could grab the opportunity and look to fill it. And you'd have, you'd have four star recruiters, five star recruiters, and the company could, you know, make sure they're comfortable with who's, who's recruiting. So you could have recruiters from anywhere around the world, working part-time, working, you know, on a, on a schedule that suited them. And we, we actually built some really nice prototype software and Mark McKinley, actually, we, we, we approached them and they really liked the idea and they were working with us. And, um, and I, actually funnily when we, decided not to go ahead with that we mentioned to Morgan McKinley and we said look this is the direction that we're thinking we're going instead and Pat Fitzgerald who's the the chairman of Morgan McKinley he was the CEO at the time um Pat has been a great supporter and Pat said yeah I just I really like that idea as well let me introduce it to my HR director Helen Gallagher and ultimately Morgan McKinley became our very first customer um on a completely th- different thing to what we originally spoke to him about. So, so a lot of like a lot of luck involved as well, you know, in terms of um, just meeting the right people that have taken interest in in what you're doing. How do you crack in the likes of the the big multinationals? Is just like getting in front of the right people? Is it word of mouth? Is it LinkedIn? You know, you'd often talk to different people, and you know, they they they're able to scale their business quite quickly predominantly I suppose that happens a lot in the IT space because obviously it can be used worldwide but you know was there any kind of introduction or name that you had in your diary going back 10 years that you could say 
I might give him a call. He might be a guy worth ringing or was it just kind of a, again, a kind of a natural evolution of word of mouth. You got good coverage in the media. Like to get from where you came from to where you are for a short period of time, you know, was there any kind of like lucky break in the States or was it just a case of your reputation and your product spoke for itself? No, I, I, I think a lot of it was just like roll up your sleeves. Like at the, like the first, you know, when, when there was just Joe and myself, like I was out trying to meet people right out on the road, traveling, heading up to Dublin, like contacting people in my network, just seeing if people would take a meeting so I could just share what we were doing, get people's feedback. And essentially you're just like, I was, I was just covering a lot of ground, right? I was like reaching out to people I knew, reaching out to people I knew to maybe introduce me to people. Um, I think you need to like, definitely you need to lose the the, the shyness right, around like, and you have to just try and get in front of people, right? And get feedback, get good feedback, get positive feedback, get negative feedback, you know, just whatever. But just the more touch points you have with, um with the market essentially with potential prospects or you know people that are going to give you the right steer uh for, for me it was just like it was really roll up the sleeves and get out to as many of them as possible like i covered a lot of ground in our first six to 12 months and ultimately that that i suppose bore fruit in terms of you know we got uh, it's only it's it's a small percentage initially is all you need right of people that are genuinely interested and we had you know people like uh, Aaron Mansworth in Trigon Hotels he was one of the many people I met and um, and that that hotel hotel group they're very progressive and Aaron got it immediately I just got it it's like yeah I love it I love what you're trying to build and um, he became like somebody that was interested in becoming a customer and as we were evolving the product to get it to a point where we were ready to release it uh he signed up pretty quickly but again it was just it was covering ground right the the beauty of work vivo is like it's on it's on the mob it's on it's on the web but it's also on the mobile so i would just meet people i would meet people on the train and i would start demoing the app to them you know but it's like and, and you can't be afraid to do that right as i said to somebody recently like you have to you have to make the ask, right? You have to ask for the meeting. You have to like put yourself out there. Um, like ultimately you get it to a point where you build a marketing team and there's an engine and, uh, you know, you've got inbound uh, interest, you've got reference customers, you've got, but you've none of that at the beginning, right? And you, you're trying to build credibility and you need customers to do that. And you need, you need a few customers. You need to get the first customers on the board uh, which is the hardest thing to do because you like you need to have a product that people are willing to pay for in order to do that, right? It needs to be able to a product that's delivering real value. So you have to find customers. You have to work hard to find them. You have to work hard on the product to make sure that it's delivering value. Um, but for me, there's no real magic to it other than like getting out there and genuinely listening to what people are saying and building that into the product. One thing I would say is building it into the product. Uh, at speed like when when joe and myself started one of the one of the words we used an awful lot was speed um if you're going to compete in the in the SaaS world then if you're not moving at speed then like you've lost you're, you're not going to like get any traction any momentum unless you're really really moving at speed and for us it's you know 
you I you can kind of get into the like for me big company quarterly goals etc and things happen at a certain pace for us it has to be it can't be this quarter it has to be next week so you know we have to have this feature ready for next Friday right it's not a something we can do in Q1 of next year right and um, I think we've done well to actually retain that culture in the company as well like we move quickly with everything especially with product we're like very um just a very rich um roadmap at all times but it's it's a roadmap of like this quarter next quarter um and i think if you're not doing that as a startup then you're just not gonna you're not gonna get the momentum that uh, that you need you've always been able to attract very um as well highly skilled uh workforce yourselves in order to be you know adapting and uh, promoting and improving the app the whole time how have you found you know your own um recruitment and retention of staff it seems to be a, a a problem with most industries at the moment there's a shortage of labor or everyone that i'm talking to no matter what industry they're in there seems to be looking for staff and um, like have you been able to recruit predominantly in ireland or have you had to look farther afield or i suppose like you know there's obviously a a very talented workforce in Ireland, and I suppose the reason why there's been such foreign direct investment in Ireland is a, you know, highly skilled workforce, and um, a lot of multinationals are attracted in here for well, obviously corporation tax, but also the workforce. How have you found your own um recruitment and retention in that side of things? Yeah, no, no really, really good, really, really good. Um, like retention, I think we've had. Like one voluntary lever since we started, we've over 130 people now, and and that person went to to actually uh, work in the start, work as a founder in a startup, which we've been, you know, we're 100% behind him in what he's doing. is a is a great individual, um, so we haven't lost people. We're we've a we've a lovely culture, and I joke about it sometimes. It's like it's the best place I've ever worked, right? It's uh, but I'm I'm genuinely like really enjoying it, and we we talk about you know we don't we don't take ourselves seriously, um, or too seriously anyway, but we take what we do very seriously, and it, there's just a, there's just a lovely culture. Um, people are like we've we've hired really ambitious people really really talented people just incredibly talented people like smart smart um but there are also people that don't take themselves too seriously right and it's just it's created a lovely culture that has allowed us to just enjoy what we're doing and i think that's a huge part of it and i think there's huge energy in the company and a lot of it comes from the fact that we're enjoying what we're doing like our mm. Our, our product is a product that brings huge positivity to companies. And when company companies implement WorkViva, there's a huge positivity that goes along with it. And I think that reflects back into our company and we get massively positive feedback, which is, it's like oxygen for us then as well, right? It's just a, it's a, that's a, a really nice dynamic to have. But no, we've been very lucky and we've like we've hired some amazing people. We have gone outside of Ireland. Like we've a we've a large team in the US now. We have people in the UK, we have people in Spain and Bosnia and like all over the place. But Cork is HQ and that's where the majority of people are. We've an office in Dublin as well, an office in London, Boston. But um 
Ireland is where the I suppose the majority of people are. But we've we've been very very lucky in terms of the talent we've been able to attract. The investment from the Zoom founder Eric Yuan or Yuan, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Did that come out of left field phone calls from there? Like was it a? It's obviously a massive. I suppose um, testimonial to your work because Zoom have been such a fantastic success story. But was that just um, he spotted the the talent and the the benefit of work vivo and approach she or was it vice versa? I again, John, I think an awful lot of you know I suppose what happens in life, right, is is luck and fortune and just like being in the right place, right, and maybe a little bit of probably just putting yourself in the right place as well. We signed a customer in um, Silicon Valley that I can't name, contractually I can't name them, but they're like huge technology company. And Mm -hmm. we did a great job for them. And I was sitting having coffee with one um, one of their directors, probably four years ago now at this stage. And this was over in California. And he mentioned like it was a really positive conversation implementation had gone really well and he mentioned eric yuan uh, from zoom he said i really should introduce you guys he was friendly with him very friendly he said i really need to introduce you guys uh you're, you're in the same ecosystem right in the communication space and he did and i met eric on zoom of course and we had a great conversation and i showed him the product and he loved the product he offered proactively offered to become an investor. We weren't looking for investors at the time. So Eric, of course, we were delighted to have Eric on board as an investor and and it just kind of went from there, right? It's so like we've met him now a few times over in San Jose and uh he's been a great supporter, right? He's uh, I mean it's it's um it's a great name to have on mm. our our cap table, but I think more importantly, he's like he's given us great advice, and uh, and we really appreciate it. I can imagine that he would uh, he'd have got some good insights for you as well, and um, how you can scale the business even further. As you know, John, I'm a financial advisor, so it would be remiss of me to not ask uh, one or two financial questions. What would you say your best and worst financial decision has been throughout your career? Ooh. <laughs> Best and worst. Um, funnily enough, John, and I like, and I really mean this. I I've never been motivated by by money. It just doesn't do it for me at all. Like the things I get a kick out of are are, are not financial at all. Right? It's like I'm loving what we're doing now. I'm loving the sense of achievement. I'm loving the journey. I'm loving just the, like the people I'm working with. Um, and I think it's it's funny actually because I think you know when you when you focus on like for us re, we're focused on realizing our potential a lot of like the financial elements and the success and the financial success just almost happen as a result of that I think a lot a lot of times I suppose recent big decisions if I look back over the last few years recent big decisions that we've made on finances like we spoke just now about when Eric um, came on board from Zoom as an investor at the time when Eric came on board Joe my co-founder and myself we we had intended to bootstrap the company so We'd intended to bootstrap. We were not going to take, um, you know, investment or go down the traditional route of seed, series A, series B. And um, when Eric came on board, you know, and it was probably one particular meeting in San Jose, Eric was challenging us to, you know, 
are we going to go for bigger investment? Are we going to go for Series A? And our mind was, you know, that we wouldn't do it at the time. I guess he was just challenging us around, you know, you're, you're not going to conquer the world with four, five, six sales guys, right? You need to you need to go big and you've got a great product. If you've if you've got product market fit, then why aren't you looking to scale? And um and we we, we started getting into that mindset and I suppose ultimately, yes, we did go down the series A route. Uh, you know, we've done a series B now this year. And I think the thing Joe and I said, you know, the main thing we said at the time um, was, look, if we go down this route, it's like we're guaranteed an adventure, right? It is the the the, the way that you know most companies over in Silicon Valley, and there's a mindset over there um, that's actually very energizing. And we decided to go for it, and we yeah we signed up for that adventure, and Tiger Global backed us with Frontline um, and Enterprise Ireland actually, and um, Tiger Global backed us again earlier this year. But that wasn't an obvious decision for us initially. We thought we'd go the other way, but it it's been a great decision. Like it's been a great decision. The, the investment process. A lot of times we you know people kind of see it as a success. For us, it's not. It's just it's fuel, right? It's fuel for the company. But it's fuel that if you get the right level of investment and the right backers can put you in a great position to realize the potential of the company. And I think for, so for us, looking back at the decision to take investment and, and take a Series A and take a Series B, um, they were very good decisions ultimately, and they've, they've put us in a great position. I think the, the, I think the worst decisions I've made, I always try and you know, remind myself of this, whether it's been a financial decision or a non-financial decision, the worst decisions I've made are when I haven't trust my gut or trust my instinct. Anytime I've ignored my gut or my instinct, it's ended up being a bad decision. And it's like somebody said to me one time, or I don't know, I was in a talk I heard, but your gut or your instinct is is essentially big data, right? It's the processing of big data. It's the collection of all your life experience being processed by your brain you know every experience you've ever had is being processed very quickly by your brain and that kind of ends up um resulting in some kind of instinct that you have but you should trust it you know that's what i've learned is just trust your gut that any bad decisions i've made have been when i haven't haven't listened to my gut instinct final question so john and this is the the final question for any guests that i've been on and i always try and ask them to keep it to 10 words or less but that that doesn't always work out. But uh, could you give me your blueprint for success so far in your life stroke career? Um, okay, not prepared for this one, but um, for me, it's probably been it's been it's been hard work. It's been being interested in people and looking after people. It's been ambition. Like for me, they're the things that have probably like driven me. I've always been very ambitious. I've always worked really hard. And I'd like to think I've always tried to bring people with me, look after people. And if you're doing that and you're enjoying it, then it doesn't feel like work then, right? It's um there's there's a there's a purpose to it. And yeah, for me that that's worked for me. You hit the nail on the head there, you know, the old saying, if you enjoy what you do, they say don't ever work a day in your life. And uh you certainly seem to be enjoying what you're doing and you're having fantastic success doing so i want to thank you again for coming on the podcast i know you're an extremely busy guy i wish nothing but the best with work vivo and uh look forward to seeing where this journey will take you appreciate it thanks very much john 
Hi, my name is John O'Driscoll, and I am the host of the Blueprint Podcast. I do hope you've enjoyed the episode so far. We've had some fantastic chats with some great guests. Can you do me a favor and can you please drop us a like or a follow wherever you get your podcasts? Spotify, Apple, Google, and please give us a five out of five star rating. It does really help. Thank you so much.